All right, welcome to Fame Kills, Murder Cults, and Lawsuits in the Entertainment Industry. This is episode one of season one. We're going to do this in seasons in case I decide to switch things up. Um, this is going to be covering all the darkest sides of the entertainment industry. So we're going to be talking about things like the bling ring, Britney Spears meltdown, Pamela Anderson sex tape, uh, River Phoenix, Odin and the Viper room, Scientology, stuff like that. Uh, I am Morgan Tremaine. I'm joined here by Sabrina Lynn. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. Um, so what is your general interest in entertainment industry stuff? When it comes to like the topics I described, uh, I like the hot goss. The hot goss. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I like little fun facts and stuff like that. Um, I don't deep dive into it too often. Um, so this will be fun. Cool. That's perfect. You're a blank slate. It's great. <laughs> um, all right. This is going to be found on uh, podcast services like Spotify, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts. It's also going to be on YouTube. We'll do some clips on TikTok. So it's going to be basically everywhere. Also, there's a Patreon where you can get the episodes early and you're going to get access to like bonus content and stuff like that. So um, be sure to check that out. And if you want to plug anything on it, there's also a tier for if you want to advertise stuff on it, which is awesome. Um, but today's episode, we're going to start off with a really big one. There's going to be some like smaller topics we do occasionally but this is one of the big bio ones we're gonna do like every now and then so this might be two parts we'll see how long it actually takes but it's gonna be the life and death of Marilyn Monroe uh something that there's a lot of conspiracy theories about a lot of controversy about and what are you doing you just poking Boop. my nose you booped me the podcast po this first podcast boop. what do you so what do you know about Marilyn Monroe um not too much um icon obviously um Norma Jean Right. That was her birth name, yeah, Norma um, Jean. Candle in the wind, right? That was about her. Was it? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Right. That was. That's a thing. Is it? No, no, no. <laughs> I think so. I'm pretty sure. All right. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll assume. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure you're right. I didn't. I didn't know that though. Anyway, so uh, I just want to do real quick a couple notes about uh, the story before we get into this. Like, obviously, the movie Blonde on Netflix was a big hit recently a uh, big controversy i just that thing is a, entirely like a work of fiction and basically inspired by marilyn I, monroe I so i know um about that movie um they got their um information from a book that was just like not true yeah it's and it's like, it's a work of fiction and you basically could change the name marilyn monroe to anybody else and it would be as true which is not at all yeah, so basically, like, we're not going to talk about that instead and just know that all of this is coming from, it's coming from journalists or biographers, um, and uh, and none of it's going to be based on the movie Blonde. Also, I, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, I also um, saw a scene from that movie on TikTok. It's like the really disturbing scene where, like, her fetus is talking to her. Oh, God. It's really upsetting. Yeah, I have. I had I no interest in watching that at all. It seemed, It just seems really like weird and exploitive and not even about her. So it's like, I don't know why they why they bother doing that. But anyways, uh, another thing to mention is that obviously a lot of, you know, her heyday was the 50s. And so everything we talk about involving her is going to be through the lens of 1950s, which is historically not a great time for women. Um, people don't, don't believe them. There's a lot of, you know, just obvious like she's crazy kind of stuff. So I think she's one of the first actresses to be labeled as difficult in the industry and uh and i think some of it was probably unfair and it was just her being a strong woman who didn't want to be taken advantage of in the industry but but just just know that a lot of what we hear from people talking about marilyn monroe is going to be through the lens of the 50s i think that's fair um okay so sicky sicky nar nar it is sicky it is sicky sicky on the nar nar yeah so basically we can start with her childhood on june 1st 1926 norma jean mortensen later known as marilyn monroe was born in los angeles to gladys pearl baker and who she believed was her father martin edward mortensen 
However, DNA testing concluded just last year in 2022 uh, said that her biological father was actually Charles Stanley Gifford, who was her uh, mother's co-worker at RKO Pictures, where she worked as a film cutter. Scandalous. Yeah, so right off the bat, we're like, okay, well, there's problematic part number one. She, like, she didn't know... She didn't know her real dad. Um, and the funny thing is her her mom, who we will learn, uh, later learn on, it was, uh, you know, kind of kind of like legitimately uh, nuts, tried to tell everybody that, that was the real father. And nobody believed her. And then they finally did DNA testing. And it was like, oh, yeah, she was that was straight. I was actually totally right. So they managed to use Marilyn Monroe's uh, hair and um, and this guy's descendant, like his granddaughter, and were able to match up the DNA. Oh, my God. So that's fairly new. Well, that's exciting news for the granddaughter. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, my God. I'm related. I'm related. Oh, my God. Before marrying Mortensen, Gladys had previously married uh, John Newton Baker just 10 days before she turned 15. Uh, together, they had a son named Jackie and a daughter named Bernice. Um, Jackie, unfortunately, uh, at a young age, fell out of the, a moving car and was, uh, was crippled the rest of his life. And remember, this is significantly before the invention of seatbelts. I think that came in like 1959, Volvo invented seatbelts. I know this isn't super related, but I actually went to school with a girl who got into an argument with her mom while they were driving somewhere. She jumped out of the moving car. Like the movie Lady Bird? That's in the movie Lady... I haven't seen it. That happens in the beginning of the movie Lady Bird, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, no, she jumped out of the car. I think she had to have like brain surgery because like she came back to school with like her head all shaved because they had to get in there. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, sorry. I know. Sorry. I'll, no, it's interesting. I'll try to keep my <laughs> tangents to a minimum. No, this is it's a podcast. You can do tangents. Just make sure you, you keep the volume up because it's like the mics are. We're sorry. trying to make sure our, our cat who's in heat is not like her insane meowing <laughs> doesn't pick up on the mics. TMI. Um, anyways, back to back to poor Gladys, the mother of Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Gladys suffered abuse at the hands of John and filed for divorce some years later. <laughs> she was granted full custody of her two kids, but that just led John to kidnap the children and take uh, take them back to his hometown of Kentucky. Classic. So, yep. So Gladys made a failed attempt to take back her children. She went to Kentucky to try to get them back, but she was met with more abuse by him and had basically no help. Nobody would help her. And so she just went back to California completely defeated. Um, Gladys would then meet her next husband, Martin Edward Mortensen, in 1924, and they would marry that same year. But after only a few months, she apparently became, quote unquote, bored of him and left. Just abandoned him. Sick, uh, love yeah. it. Yeah, after failing to win her back, Martin would then file for divorce, citing uh, desertion. It was only after the two separated that Gladys discovered she was pregnant, uh, though she did list Mortensen as the father on the birth certificate. It wasn't his full name, though. I think that was like a purpose in, in, uh, admission so that like he wouldn't find out. I don't know, but she was apparently not, not into him. Um, it's at this point that according to Gladys's mother, she began to drink heavily. Uh, her drinking combined with severe postpartum depression made her unable to take care of Norma Jean. Uh, her friend and former coworker Grace McKee alleged that she on one occasion had to stop Gladys from stabbing the baby. Uh, it was only after two weeks that, that uh, after Norma was born that Gladys placed her in foster care uh, at the home of uh, Ida and Wayne Bollinger. So yeah, she's uh, one of the things that I think is pretty well known is that she spent a lot of time in foster care. And so a lot of people point at that, like her mom's, uh, you know, mental health and the foster care system as being like what was started her being sort of generally unhappy throughout her life and having to deal with insomnia and depression and things like that. Um, Norma Jean spent many years with the Bollingers, with whom she became very close, along with her foster brothers and sisters. Uh, during this time, Gladys would stay in contact and visit the foster home even while she uh, took care of her ailing mother, who was diagnosed with manic depressive psychosis. So there's definitely some ongoing mental illness there. I'm manic depressive. 
Yeah. Actually, that's, uh, touching on that point really fast, a lot of people would, would say that Marilyn Monroe was bipolar, but there's actually no evidence of that. She wasn't... Um, she was not formally diagnosed with it. So I think that's one of those things of like, oh, well, she she had all these uh, all these different um, symptoms. Like, clearly she was bipolar. It'd be like, yeah, but she had a lot of other contributing factors and those symptoms can be indicative of something else entirely too. So I think that's one of those to like fair, 50s that, things where people just slapped her. Although in fairness, there is a history of mental even illness. Even to this day, bipolar is um, <clears throat> kind of a, a pain in the ass to diagnose. Um, I mean, it took me a month in the mental hospital before I finally got my diagnosis. Yeah, and she did spend some time in the hospital, although she, she mostly had a at-home sci- uh, psychiatrist or psycho- a psychologist who would take care of her because she couldn't really, she was too famous to, to really receive the care that she needed. The last time I was hospitalized, I actually went to the same facility that Marilyn Monroe went to. Hey! Yeah! Not great testimonial, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, anyways. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually interesting... Interesting additive to that. Yeah. So like, yeah, it wasn't a great place. Probably wasn't great back then either in the 50s, uh, given they that it was the do, 50s. They still do smoke breaks for the patients. They still do smoke breaks? And give out cigarettes. Oh, that's very 50s, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Gladys seemed to be getting her life in order after this, uh, even at one point saving several people from a fire at an editing studio. Uh, and at the age of seven, the Bolins decided it was time for Norma to reunite with her mother. However, the reunion would not last. In 1933, Gladys learned that her son Jackie had died at age 13 from uh, kidney disease and her grandfather had hanged himself. In addition to that, the studio she worked for was going on strike. So a bunch of stuff hit all at once. Uh, In mid-1934, Gladys had a complete mental breakdown and was institutionalized where she would be uh, diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Okay. So there's definitely definitely a history of mental illness with the grandmother and now the mother is formally, uh, formally diagnosed. And again, at this time, it was more like, she's crazy, throw her in the loony bin. So it's the fact that she was so even correctly 50s, diagnosed like, was is good. Is that also back when they, um, did they prescribe her like super hardcore drugs? Is that the same, same kind of time frame or is that earlier? I'm not sure exactly what they, uh, what they gave her as far as medications. I only know mm-hmm. what medications that Marilyn was on towards the end of her life. And it apparently what started in the uh, like mid uh, mid 50s. Uh, I'm un- it's unclear about uh, the mother, huh. but... I will say she does not really get better, unfortunately. And we'll see throughout that. <clears throat> Everyone attached to this story has their own little tragedy going on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, you'll see there's like I, I wanted to call this section like death by a thousand cuts because it really is not like there was one big thing. It was just a history starting from when she was born with her with her parents. And then, um, you know, things didn't get way better in her teenage years, like sort of a little bit. But um, she's continued to struggle with her mom. And then the fame was crazy and being hypersexualized in the 50s. I mean, her whole life was just like, it was so many little things. And, and we're going to touch on a bunch of that stuff, too, as we go through this. Um, unfortunately, Norma's life became much more unstable after this. Uh, she lived with her mother's roommate in her uh, the mother's house while family friend Grace lent a hand. And uh, Gladys was able to visit on occasion, but ultimately was declared insane and incapable of taking care of herself. Norma Jean would uh, now be a ward of the state and spend time in over a dozen different foster homes and orphanages until she was 16 when she met her first husband, Jimmy Doherty. So that was kind of the thing. It's like, all right, you're 16. You can either, uh, you know, stay in the foster system and age out or get married. So she got married. I believe he was 24. Uh, By all accounts, the two uh, loved each other and spent uh, two happy years together before Jimmy joined the Merchant Marines and was deployed to the South Pacific for the remainder of World War II. I was going to say, of course, uh, she loved him because she was 16 
<laughs> and it was her only way out. So he becomes this like white knight savior deal that yeah. plucked her out of a bad situation and put her into any other one. Yeah, it do it doesn't last, but um, she does apparently speak uh, well of him and says he was a good guy. Um, but yeah, with Jimmy gone, now uh, Norma Jean took up work in a munitions factory in Burbank, but you know the munitions factory in Burbank, where several months later, photographer David Conover would discover her while taking photos of, of women contributing to the war efforts. Uh, Conover took notice of Norma Jean's beauty and photogenic nature, calling her a photographer's dream, and used her for the now iconic photo shoot of, of her in the uh, in the factory with her brunette hair. Uh, so that was really the complete I start of it. She was discovered dis just walking down the street. Well, she was, I mean, it, she wasn't walking down the street, but she, she was working in a munitions factory. So that was, that was something, something else. I mean, I wouldn't call that walking down the street, but, but know, yeah, he basically, situation. Yeah, you know, I guess, yeah, fairly average, you know, riveting for <laughs> during World War II to fight the Nazis. Yeah. You know, fairly standard. Um, anyways, uh, so, uh, after about, uh, on, yeah, Conover sent Norma Jean more modeling work after this. And within, uh, two years, she was a full fledged model. Uh, this is when she would find inspiration to pursue a career in Hollywood. Nice. Uh, Jimmy returned to the States in 1946 and Norma Jean was now kind of faced with like, do I want to keep doing this marriage or do I want to focus on my career? And she decided to uh, focus on a career. So the two divorced that same year and Norma Jean um, then signed her first contract with 20th Century Fox, bleached her hair blonde and started go going by the name we all know, Marilyn Monroe. And the name Marilyn Monroe, it comes from studio executive Ben Line, who uh, said he remind, uh, she reminded him of Marilyn Miller, who was a Broadway star, and uh, Monroe was her mother's maiden name. It was a combination of those two. Uh, and speaking of her mother, this was the same year that Gladys was finally released from uh, hospital care. She spent some time living with her daughter, but it was clear that Gladys was still not well. Uh, later that year, Gladys abruptly announced she wanted to go live with her aunt in Oregon, but she never made it there. She's not dead, but she didn't make it there. She instead got married to a man named John, who already had a family in Idaho. And uh, Marilyn would then later tell the press that her parents were dead. Because she was basically like, I'm done with, I'm done with mom. She's mm -hmm. being crazy. I can't, I can't rein her in. I tried to help. I can't really do anything at this point. Um, so this is when her career really starts taking off. She was doing minor roles at Fox until she landed a small part in John Huston's The Asphalt Jungle. This is kind of her first, her first, like, more than a bit part kind of deal. Uh, and that was in 1950. And this led Marilyn to have like more significant opportunities in film. Yeah. From then on, uh, Marilyn worked pretty steadily in films like All About Eve, Monkey Business, and Niagara, which is the movie where she first received top billing. So now she was like, okay, she's like more of a star now. But it wasn't until a little bit later in 1953 when Gentlemen Prefer Blondes came out. That's one where she sings um, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. That's when it was like, oh my God. Now she's like Marilyn Monroe, what we think of like, you know, is super iconic. Um, I remember um, <clears throat> it's like an anniversary of her death or something. And like for a month straight, um, the channel that played like all of the like oldies mm -hmm. and stuff on, on the TV um, played just like Marilyn Monroe pictures. And there's this one movie and I haven't been able to find the name of it, but like um, she... <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was just pushing the mic closer for the podcast. She, she plays um, this hussy who's trying to like take advantage of people. And like there's this, it's like this like cowboy type guy. Oh, that sounds familiar. Bar, I think I know what that is. And he gets mad at her because he realized that she's not drinking whiskey. She's drinking iced tea. Mm. Something like that. Like trying to take advantage of him. And like, I, I remember watching that like five times, but I can't remember much from it. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what movie that is. But um, but yeah, she she did a bunch of stuff after that, too. I mean, she actually had a, a really decent career all through the 50s. I mean, back at that time with this Hollywood studio system, like even like directors, like nowadays you you do a film like every once in a while. But with these things, they were pumping out movies so much. It was it was like a conveyor belt of movies. So she actually managed to do a lot through the 50s, a ton, a ton of movies, especially with her bit parts. Like you just are able to go in there and just like there's a new movie every day. They're constantly turning over these things. Uh, with her role, uh, with this role, her fame as an actress and as a sex icon exploded in um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. It was that same year that she would appear in the first ever issue of the Entertainment for Men magazine, Playboy. Um, however, a lot of people don't realize that she didn't actually pose for Playboy. There were yes. other, there were other, uh, other photos. Yeah. Instead, you Hefner found and licensed the photos, which were taken four years earlier by a pinup photographer named Tom Kelly. Um, and when she was just cash, uh, cash strapped and jobless and needed $50 for a car payment. Mm -hmm. So the photos were sold to a Chicago company for a pinup calendar that got published. Um, and she used a different name, but of course, as her public profile rose, people started putting pieces together. The photos were her, even though she specifically asked the photographer to make sure that she was like obscured and you couldn't really tell it was her. And she used, uh, she used a different name, but it's still, people managed to figure it out. And of course, I think, you know, the photographer put it together as well, and he might have said something to somebody. Um, it was at this point that the studio found out about this, and they urged her to desperately get ahead of the scandal and issue a statement saying uh, it wasn't her, but she decided to uh, just own up to it. So uh, quoting Marilyn Monroe here, she said, I admitted it was me who posed for that nude calendar, even when the Fox executives became nervous and believed it would uh, believe it would cause a ruination of any films I would appear in and also the uh, be the end of uh, my movie career. Of course, they were wrong. The fans, my public cheered when I admitted it was me and that calendar and that Playboy uh, Playboy first issue publicly uh, helped my career. So although she wasn't like cool about it and she said that she was super ashamed of the photos and the fact that she had to do that, she ended up being kind of like cool with it because it ended up being for the best it wasn't I remember, the end of her career. um when Hugh Hafner died didn't he get like buried next to her yeah so <laughs> and that was like a huge deal and everyone was like really pissed about it yeah basically he so again like like she didn't receive thanks for that photo uh being in there she even had to buy the issue of Playboy herself like there was no communication it just mm -hmm. all of a sudden happened and she was like oh <laughs> I guess I'm in I guess I'm in this new magazine nude on the cover we had it said like color photos Marilyn Manson nude on the cover of it Marilyn Monroe Marilyn Monroe I'm sorry Marilyn Manson Jesus. that's a whole different <laughs> that episode is a, that, would be a very that is a very different Playboy. episode I don't yeah, yeah Jesus um, um, but yeah so he he bought for $75,000 apparently he bought in 1992 the crypt next to her in I think it was Westford uh, Westwood Memorial uh, Cemetery and there's a there's a quote about it. I have it I have it written down for later. Um, it's something like he couldn't resist the chance to spend eternity next to Marilyn, which just sounds kind of gross for a guy who it was very exploity. Like he paid five hundred dollars for the photos. She was paid fifty, and she never saw a dime for that. He like his entire empire is is basically created off of the nude photos of Marilyn that he licensed. Yeah, it might his not have exploded after created that. Created off of exploiting women. Yeah. He alleges that they spoke on the phone once, but they never, they never actually met. And for him to be like, oh, and I want, I need to spend my life or my eternity next to Marilyn Monroe. It was a little weird, a little creepy. Isn't there, you said like a crypt, right? Isn't yeah. there a guy that's like on top of her crypt? Well, there's a bunch. It's all over. It's one of those yeah, ones where it's no, like but drawers. Isn't there a guy who bought the crypt above hers and is buried upside down? See, I don't know if that, I think that might be a rumor. I read about that. I think that might've been a rumor. And I know that there's there's been some changing of hands of the crypts around her because I think like somebody had one and the widow decided to sell it 
to so they could pay off their house. So they, they ended up moving him. And I think they sold it for like $2 million or something crazy like that. But I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, I had read about that. The guy above her allegedly got buried face down so she he could be like facing Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, kind of a weird move to do. Not something I would personally do or publicize, but... Getting cremated over here. Yeah, cremated. Yeah. Exactly. And you can just mix ashes. And yeah, no one can, can defile my body. Yeah, there you go. Rob my grave. Jeez, yeah. Um, it was about this time that reports started to surface that Marilyn, uh, Marilyn's mother was not dead. Because remember, up until this point, she was claiming her parents were dead. And it, yes. The studio kind of liked that because it played into like the the foster care narrative and made her feel like an uh, oh poor me orphan. I also feel like that kind of makes it like, oh, she's not anyone's daughter. So you don't have to look at her like a person. I don't know if anybody cared about that in the 50s. I don't know. I think everyone was pretty creepy in the 50s and had had no like second guessings about it. I don't mm-hmm. think they needed to create that narrative. But it was definitely like maybe like a wholesome kind of aspect to it. Like, oh, she's this little orphan who's been bouncing around foster care. So uh, from what I understand, Fox was like cool with that narrative and liked the uh, saying the parents were dead and were totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people started to figure out that, oh, she's working in a nursing home like outside of LA. Mm-hmm. So she, she was then a for, uh, forced to, right after having to say, yeah, I did naked photos of myself, those are me. Then say, oh, by the way, I lied, my mom is not dead. That's her. So this is kind of a uh, kind of a weird moment. Uh, Marilyn then tried to reconcile with her mother, but the reunion was again cut short when Gladys arrived in a complete manic state, and then she was once again committed. Unfortunately, um, there's some debate as to when Marilyn uh, was first subscribed to barbiturates for anxiety and insomnia, but a lot of reports indicate it was right around here. Mm-hmm. So she was going through kind of a lot. It was like her stardom was rising. She's dealing with the stuff with her mom and the the, the public photos of, of her nude that she didn't love. So a, a lot is, is building up right now in the early 50s. Uh, Marilyn would go on to star in The Seven Year Itch, where that was the one where her white dress was caught under the uh, the subway uh, grate. Oh, my God. Um, I think I know something about that, too. Yeah. Wasn't she... She was with someone at the time, like so she, she was for. She was married to Joe DiMaggio, the former uh, Wasn't New York he, Yankee. Like, super pissed about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, apparently from everything I read, their marriage it didn't last long. They were married for nine months because there was a lot of jealousy there. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically he was there that day. He saw it, and I something like ten thousand people showed up because they obviously shot it on the street in New York. Like that was real, um, and yeah, everyone's like screaming at her and and you know heckling and asking for autographs. And he saw that and was totally not cool. That he was super gel, mm-hmm. super super gel, and and that's credited as the moment where it really started to fall apart and they would really fight. And apparently he was pretty he was abusive to her, and so she filed for divorce. Um, not long after they were again they were only married for nine years but apparently they had a really good relationship after that I think you say only nine years like that's I'm sorry nine months did I say nine years nine oh yeah nine years no 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 they were (laughs) were married for less than a year it was nine months only yeah okay Um, but yeah I was gonna talk about that Uh, at that time she she did seven year itch we're gonna do a little time jump here this is just to go over a lot of a lot of her personal life prepare ourselves for a time jump yeah do the time warp again um, so she did the she did the the famous subway great thing. She married and divorced Joe DiMaggio after nine months. Um, she won a Golden Globe. Uh, she also um, defended her next husband, Arthur Miller, her third husband, from FBI accusations of communism, which we're going to get back to when we get to the conspiracy theories aspect of this, because he that actually plays a role. Um, but all this while, Marilyn is like, I mean, she basically sounds like the fifties are awesome for her. She owned the fifties, but of course she's having these, these not great relationships. 
Heavy she's, is the head that wears the crown. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I think there were also obviously plenty of like blonde bombshells and stuff before this point, but to the to the extent that she was sexualized, I think was pretty unprecedented at this time. Um, so all the all the while all this is going on, she's struggling with her mental health, her physical health. And uh, prescription medication abuse. So by the late 50s, she'd been hospitalized for barbiturate overdose. She suffered uh, at least one miscarriage due to endometriosis, which was very painful. Had her gallbladder removed, which was very painful. And she spent four weeks hospitalized for depression. So uh, to the public, she is ex doing extremely well. Everything's awesome. Mirny Yankee, all this. But she's um, she's going through a lot and, is, and ends up seeking medication because of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like many others, I really think she was the first victim of of real, real bad medi uh, legal medication um, abuse that, that just exacerbated everything. Um, and, of course, at this point, we, we're talking about their sort of like her Marilyn Monroe, her persona, but all this other stuff's going on. So regarding her on and off screen persona, uh, film historian Michelle Vogel says, quote, I don't think there was a real Marilyn Monroe. She was a character and a persona to be played both on and off screen. At the heart of it, Marilyn Monroe was still Norma Jean. When she acted a part, it was Norma Jean playing Marilyn Monroe. So it's at this point we start talking about more of her downfall. Uh, the remainder of her career, like late 50s, very late 50s and early early 60s, um, it has a, a pretty difficult decline for her. So during the filming of Something's Gotta Give in 1962, the year of her death, Marilyn Monroe was fired by 20th Century Fox due to what the studio claimed were unjustifiable absences. Uh, however, Marilyn argued that she was too sick to work. The studio executives then pointed out that she wasn't too sick to go sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, <laughs> to John F. Kennedy, who is going to come back again in the conspiracy theories I, portion I of this. I know of that conspiracy theory. Oh, it's, it gets deep. It gets real deep. I, I know of it. I'm not super deep. conspiracy. Gotcha. Yeah, um, but basically, speaking on the unjustifiable absences, up to this point, she does have a reputation now as being late all the time, uh, being a little bit more difficult to work with um, when she does. Uh, you can't expect hot girls to be on time. Well, I know, but, but we she, run in a different time zone. Yeah. The problem is she's also at this point, um, her her deal with Fox, like they fired her from that. But she ends up making her own production company and going on a vacation and she comes back and uses that as leverage to start the production company and then inks a new deal with Fox where she has like now complete control over the movie she picks and the directors and the cinematographers. And it actually her starting the production company is credited with taking down the Hollywood studio system because she had so much leverage as a big star. So they, they tried to say, get out of here. We're firing you. You're the worst. And she was under a really bad contract. where She was getting underpaid uh, horrendously. Yeah, of course. So she, yeah, she, she just fucked off and married a Yankee. And, uh, and she, you know, they hung out in Japan. And she went and visited the USO. Uh, she did a USO show for the troops in the Korean War. And just became like more and more popular in the public eye. It was a lot of really good PR. And mm -hmm. so then when she came back, it was like, all right, fine. We'll do this. And they agreed basically to up her pay uh, give her uh, give her a bonus for her next movie, and then for every Fox picture she did, they would finance one of her Marilyn Monroe production pictures. So she nailed it. She nailed it. But unfortunately, again, at the same time, she's going through a lot of a lot of stuff, divorce, and um, and just the the publicity dealing with being uh, being in the public eye and being over sexualized. Like it's all really really tough on her. Um, and then of course she she starts getting into these. She starts wanting to do more serious work, and mm -hmm. that's when it starts taking a little bit more of a difficult turn for her um so during the film yeah 
Um, Fox shut down production, blaming uh, Marilyn, going as far as to spread negative publicity about her, alleging that she was mentally disturbed. This reputation is difficult, led to her losing out on the role of Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's, despite her being the first choice by Arthur Truman Capote. Uh, Marilyn attempted to repair her image, uh, doing a series of high-profile interviews and photo shoots, but only months later, she would be dead. Damn. So at this point, we are, uh, we are up to her death. Let's start talking about that. Any questions about anything we've talked about so far? Or reactions or anything? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty in the moment with my reactions. Pretty in the moment? All right. Yeah. All right, so in the early hours of August 5th, 1962, Marilyn Monroe's housekeeper, Eunice Murray, noticed the light still on Marilyn Monroe's bedroom from under the door. Concerned, she knocked and shouted for Marilyn with no response. Murray then walked outside to look through the bedroom window and saw Marilyn stretched across the bed, face down, with her hand limp on the telephone. Now, all of these details are important. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come back to it when you talk about conspiracy theories. So, Murray called Marilyn's personal uh, uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Greenson, who had been with them the night before, uh, to come help and deal with the situation. So, he used a fireplace poker and broke into the window and uh, pronounced her dead, found her dead. Uh, He then called the police, and uh, unfortunately, on the bedside table, they found sedatives, tranquilizers, opiates, speed pills, and sleeping pills. The latter, the sleeping pills, which is uh, a barbiturate known as uh, Nembutal, was completely empty and her death would be ruled uh in ac- a, a probable suicide due to the sheer volume of sleeping pills in her system so the lapd arrived shortly after followed by the county coroners and they allegedly transported the body for testing where the body was ruled a, it was ruled a probable suicide due to the amount of sleeping pills didn't she like didn't her body go missing for like six hours so we're gonna get to that okay there is technically no evidence of that that falls under the category of conspiracy theory however the main theory and and this is this is part of it the main theory is basically that the kennedys had her assassinated or the cia killed her this is the main theory we're going to be talking about and before looking into this i was like oh there's no way there's very little evidence they even interacted um and whatever interactions they could have possibly had would have been super limited and she wouldn't have been privy to this information however <laughs> my opinion has changed on that there actually is a ton of evidence, a ton of firsthand evidence. So Carefully, you'll put a target on your back next. Oh, I know. <laughs> so one of the most, again, just to recap, one of the most enduring conspiracy theories is that Marilyn Monroe was murdered, possibly by U.S. government or organized crime figures. Some have suggested that she had knowledge of politi- uh, political secrets or affairs that could have been damaging if made public, and this is in reference to her alleged affair with both John F. Kennedy and Robert Kennedy, his brother. Um, the strongest evidence we have for this uh, comes from the uh, Netflix documentary, The Unheard Tapes, uh, the Marilyn Monroe documentary, which um, I watched. And this is going to be basically a recap of that. A lot of it is it's just based on tapes of interviews from when uh, in the early 80s, they decided to reopen Marilyn, uh, Marilyn Monroe's case to try to see if there's any foul play. It was ruled the exact same thing, a probable suicide. But we'll see that there's uh, a lot more details uh, about that investigation that didn't make it to the district, or, uh, district attorney at the time. So our first piece of evidence here, looking into the fact that Marilyn Monroe had a relationship with the Kennedys, is Jean Martin, Dean Martin's widow, uh, claims that the Kennedys and Marilyn, what? Her name is Jean, yeah. Jean and Dean. Dean married a Jean. Dean married a Jean. Interesting. Well, I don't think he sought it out. No. Yeah, all right. Anyway, <laughs> Jean Martin, who <laughs> did Gina, this is serious. <laughs> We're talking conspiracy theories. People have died. 
people are always dying. Yeah, that's true. All right, so Jean Martin, who's Dean Martin's widow, claims that the Kennedys and Marilyn had often been parties at fellow Rat Pack member Peter Lawford's home in Malibu. This is going to be important. Remember okay. Peter Lawford, his house in Malibu. Um, Lawford was also the brother-in-law of the Kennedys. So that's where this all comes together. Mm -hmm. And Jean claims that Lawford was basically pimping for both of the Kennedys, and they weren't discreet about it at all. It was basically like a party house where they would go to hook up and just be like, look how cool we are. It was, it was like the West Coast Hampton, sort of, of them just partying. Uh, additionally, friends said that Marilyn told them that she was seeing someone so important that she couldn't say who it was and instead just called him the general. And everyone figures that this is in reference to the uh, attorney general, Robert Kennedy. And actually, the, the friends we're, I'm referring to are the family of her psychiatrist, the guy who found her dead, because they actually became very close. Uh, in Washington, Bobby Kennedy at this time was at war with Jimmy Hoffa, the mobster and leader of the Teamsters. And in 1960, oh, oh, yeah, oh, go ahead. He, he got, he got whacked, didn't he? He did get whacked. Yeah. It I'm was, a, he was very that. much, he was very much, uh, had mob ties. You basically had to be in order to be in charge of the, the, that Teamsters union. Mm -hmm. So Bobby Kennedy as, uh, the attorney general was, was trying to go after him. Oh, hi, Giuseppe. It's our puppy Giuseppe. Um, so Basically, Hoffa and Bobby Kennedy were at war. Okay. Bobby was trying to take him down. Hoffa was trying to take Bobby down. So uh, allegedly in 1961, Hoffa hired a private investigator to bug Peter Lawford's house and get dirt on Bobby because he was trying to take him down. Okay. Uh, these, these private eyes alleged that they heard through bugs, Marilyn and JFK having sex. And they also said they bugged Marilyn's house and they can place Bobby there on multiple occasions. So that adds a lot more to, and again, this is Keeping according to this documentary. Family. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they asked, they asked Gene, is like, isn't that a little weird? Just like, yeah, it's pretty weird, but they didn't really care. It was just, they were that, apparently their dad too was even worse than, than these guys. He was very much like told the kids like sleep with as many women as possible. Like that mm -hmm. was what he told his kids. Men are gross. Yep. Why, why are you a man again? <sighs> I don't know. We're the worst. So it's at this time that Marilyn was being surveilled by the mob. The FBI is also surveilling her. And this is because the FBI had a file on her starting when she was married to playwright Arthur Miller, uh, who was being investigated for allegations of communism. Uh, because of all of this, Marilyn was subpoenaed by the House Un-American Activities Committee, but she refused to testify against her husband, which is really nice. As is her right. As is her right, yeah. So now through surveillance, they knew that she was at parties with, the, with alleged communists and that she came off as kind of a leftist during these conversations. Because they would be at these parties, like you would just hang out. Like they already, uh, the U.S. government already thought that everybody in Hollywood is a communist, mm -hmm. which is why I mean, you know, all about that time, the Ilya Kazan. Um, they were just constantly trying to find communists within Hollywood and take them down. So, nice to know little has changed. Yes, in indeed. Um, so she was having uh, conversations with communists, was coming off as leftist, and was having conversations with the Kennedys, like the president at the time, um, talking about one in one conversation the morality of atomic testing right before Kennedy went to oversee nuclear testing in Nevada. So now she seemed like she might be a communist, was at least talking to communists, and had knowledge that the president of the United States was actively testing nukes to use during the Cold War. Remember, this is the Cold War era right now. Mm -hmm. Bay of Pigs, all that with Kennedy. Um, so yeah, she was definitely a huge target right now. She was a liability as far as the government was concerned, the CIA and the FBI. Mm hmm um, and of course, her alleged relationship with Bobby Kennedy would go on well into JFK's presidency. So she was apparently seeing Bobby Kennedy 
much more than JFK. Like this all started when JFK was still a senator and he would come out to Malibu and nobody really knew who he was on the West Coast Mm -hmm. because he was just a sort of like rich kid who became a senator. It was no big deal. Nobody expected him to become the president. So that's why they were they were partying in Malibu, but apparently they just didn't stop. And then she was with Bobby the whole time. So um I don't know how true this is, but I like seen stuff and read stuff and heard stuff that she wasn't actually a super sexual person by nature. You know, she just kind of like was shooed into this like sex icon kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. It was she was a product that a lot of people who were trying to sell sex were using Right. Um, from a lot of testimonials from people who are friends with her. They basically all said that she desperately wanted a baby. And we know that she definitely had at least like one miscarriage, but she had as many as three. Mm-hmm. And she just she kept trying to have a family and it just wasn't it wasn't happening for so her. Is- that why she was hooking up with the Kennedys? I don't think that's why. Like, what do you think? She's trying to like baby trap them? Is that what you're getting at? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm I think to she was out, just like because like because because like I said from from stuff that I've seen, they've said that she wasn't like a super sexual person by nature. She just kind of was presented that way and put on market that way. So it, it, I don't know why she'd be hooking up with like all these other guys. I wouldn't say that it's like all these other guys. I think it's just that she's like throughout the 50s, she's basically married off and on. She gets married th- married and divorced three times. She's trying to have a stable relationship and trying to have a family, but mm-hmm. it's just not working out. Okay. And so allegedly throughout this time, I think just like, again, on and off again, not like anything super, super serious. She's seen Bobby Kennedy. Okay. Allegedly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So in a way, Bobby Kennedy actually, again, if any of this is true, ends up being one of the longer relationships in her life, longer, more positive ones. And we're, that's going to, that's going to play a factor in a minute. Um, so her friend, Arthur James claims to have spoken to Marilyn a month before she died. And she said she had been instructed by Bobby Kennedy to never contact him or JFK again, and that she was incredibly hurt. Aww. So this being that the, um, you know, the FBI secret service, CIA, what have you, was seeing her as a really big issue and they needed to shut it down. And so it's presumed that they had a serious conversation with, with Bobby and was like, or with JFK. And then Bobby handled it and said, you, you need to cut this out. We're done. Do not contact me again. And remember they allegedly had been seeing each other for a really long time. So this was like, this really, really hurt her um, in the beginnings of 1962. Mm-hmm. So now we're fast forwarding to the night of her death. Again, this is like a month after she, uh, a month after that she found, found this out. Um, police records indicate that Marilyn was last seen alive when she retired to her bedroom at about 8 p.m. Her psychiatrist, Dr. Greenwood, we talked about earlier, asked the housekeeper Eunice to stay overnight to keep Marilyn Monroe company. The housekeeper then found Marilyn Monroe a little after 3 a.m. and called Marilyn's psychiatrist, Dr. Greenson, again, and then he's the one who drove uh, a mile and a half to Marilyn's house and then called the police after discovering she was dead at 425. So this is an important timeline. This is the official timeline. Housekeeper, they last saw her at 8 p.m. Housekeeper saw the lights still on, found her at about 3 a.m., called Dr. Greenson. He arrived and then called police at 425. Now, the widow of Maryland's PR manager, who's named Natalie Jacobs, says she found out about all this the night before. Wait, what? Yeah. Can you repeat that? So we're going to, I'm going to unpack this, but her, Marilyn Monroe's PR manager... Yes. He was at the Hollywood Bowl with her husband. And she claims that she found out, like her husband got a call. Like an attendant came to find her husband and was told there was something horribly wrong. And they needed to, he needed to, to rush over to Marilyn's house. 
And this was apparently at 10.30 p.m. the night before. And so the, the wife ended up going home, and then the PR manager, uh, Arthur, ended up going to, um, going to Marilyn Monroe's home, allegedly. So um, she claims, the wife claims that her husband covered up the actual timeline. He died by the time she talked about this, and she doesn't know why. It was like she kind of stayed out of the business, but knew that there was something wrong. And, uh, and he had to go off and allegedly she was, she was dead or there was something wrong. So this obviously contradicts the official timeline of nobody knew anything was wrong until 3 a.m. So there is evidence that uh, corroborates this. Actually, there's a handwritten note from one of Arthur's staff who was handling uh, Marilyn Monroe's PR that said that he went to Marilyn Monroe's house at about 11 p.m. So we have a couple sources saying that this indeed happened. So the question is now what happened between 11 p.m and 3 a.m. So the DA had been contacted by an ambulance attendant who was deposed on tape about that night. He says that he saw Marilyn Monroe's body. And again, they say on the official statement, Marilyn Monroe was found how? It was by on, the housekeeper at 3 a.m.? On her stomach. On her stomach. With her down. hand on the phone. Yes. Her, her phone was off the hook. Her, her, her hand was on it. So the ambulance uh, worker alleges that she was found on her side not her stomach. And apparently the owner of the uh, ambulance company, because it was a private ambulance company and seven other employees of the company corroborated this story and said, yeah. So in 1964, this is after her death. Now, okay. Dr. Greenson was at a lunch with a reporter who claims that Dr. Green was telling him this story about the night Marilyn Monroe died and his story contradicts the official story now, apparently. So the story that Greenson apparently told this guy was that Marilyn Monroe was picked up by an ambulance alive, died in the ambulance on the way to a hospital, and then was brought back home and but placed in bed. He declared her dead at what? Four He says he found her dead at, at, at like 4 a.m. Yeah. That was the story. The housekeeper found it 3, 3 a.m. He, he came, came over, busted in, her dead found her dead. Well, I don't know if he can pronounce her dead. He saw she was dead and told the housekeeper you know she's gone called the cops and apparently they arrived at at 425 gotcha. he called at 425 and they arrived shortly after and and found her dead but according to this he says that she was alive they took her they took her and so this would have happened like way before and then and then brought her back and when asked about this because dr greenson was uh has passed away since they they talked about this dr greenson's son danny greenson who knew Marilyn very well she was very close to the family said quote i don't feel comfortable telling you what he told me talking about his dad so there's a lot of sus stuff here and in addition uh, a police informant named harry hall claims that he heard from an fbi agent that bobby kennedy was in la at the time of Marilyn's death and this was corroborated by dean martin's wife once again gene martin gene martin mm. dean and gene so again we have a gap of time basically we have this idea that she was actually alive and not dead for some reason uh, that was not disclosed. We have that she she didn't go to a hospital or she wasn't on her way to a hospital, which wasn't disclosed. We have disclosed. We have a totally different timeline, which wasn't disclosed. And we have her lasting alive at eight. And we don't know where Bobby Kennedy was, but it's been it's been sort of hinted at, like, figure out where Bobby was and maybe you'll have some more answers. And we do. Allegedly, a lot of again, this is all alleged. This whole thing has a big asterisk on it. But 
Apparently, a surveillance expert who worked for the the mob's private investigator, the ones who tapped everybody at Lawford and Marilyn Monroe's house, said that there were tapes of conversations between Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn Manson the night she died. You said Manson again. I said Manson again. That's horrible. Jesus Christ. All right. Let me try that again. A surveillance expert who worked with the mob's private investigator when they were bugging Peter Lawford and Marilyn Monroe's house Mm -hmm. said that there were tapes of conversations between Bobby, Bobby Kennedy and Marilyn the night she died. While he was in Malibu. So he was in Malibu at Peter Lawson, uh, Lawford's house. Mm-hmm. He alleged that they argued. And uh, while with her saying, leave me alone, stay out of my life, I feel passed around and used like a piece of meat. So at this point, she was feeling just like super used. She was being thrown away by them mm-hmm. who said like, don't, you know, don't contact us. And then she's just feeling like totally burned. And I guess he's trying to maybe reconcile at this point. Um, they also claim that Marilyn called the White House to tell JFK basically... Keep your brother away from me. So during all this period, like Bobby's saying, leave me alone. She's having this relationship with them and is really hurt by this. And then he's, I guess, trying to like make good, probably because he sees her as a bit of a liability now because she, she could ruin their career now. And so she even is going as far as to calling the white house allegedly and telling JFK, like call off your brother. And that's just huge red flag. Um, I was going to say just, I didn't even think in my head the the idea of her being like a liability. I just thought he was trying to contact her because he's a fuck boy and wanted to try to get it in there one more time because well, he was in town. Well, that's a thing. Kind of both, probably, <laughs> because it wasn't like it wasn't his choice. He was. It seems like he was. He would have been pushed to do this mm-hmm. because the uh, the FBI was. Uh, was really trying to uh, to make this relationship go away because of how much poten- how potentially damaging this could be mm-hmm. and hurt uh, potential ties to communism, which again is like the worst thing you could be at this point in time. It's it's like it's like the whole government is in a fight. This is the Cold War time, and they're like communists go to jail, go to hell. That's it's really tough time for for the president to be involved with people like this. Um, so now we get to the housekeeper. We're back to uh, Eunice, who found Marilyn Monroe. So uh, Eunice Murray says that the Kennedys were a big part of Marilyn's life and that Bobby was at Marilyn's house the night she died. So not only was he in town in Malibu and called her, he apparently couldn't get any, uh, couldn't get through to her, wasn't making any, any progress there and actually showed up to her place. Again, all very, very alleged. And she claims that they fought so intensely that the agents with Bobby had to intervene. This is getting really intense. And the same uh, LA private investigators uh, that had been working for the mob to bug Lawford in Marilyn's house, they alleged that they were hired by Lawford to go to Marilyn Monroe's house and try to get any evidence connecting, uh, connecting Marilyn to the Kennedys. So the same people that were bugging Lawford and Marilyn's house. What's his face? What? Are you sure it was intense? Because it sounds like it was in Marilyn's house. Oh, God <laughs> Real proud of yourself, huh? <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Anyways. I love that one. I bet you do. <laughs> All right. So Bobby Kennedy, again, apparently the law, like Peter Lawford, knowing that there was a connection um, after, after he found out that, that Marilyn died, sent this PI to go out there and try to gather any evidence because he knows that Bobby was there because he started off at, at his house, allegedly, and then was like, I'm going over there. And so he went over there. Um, so, uh, suspiciously now, because again, we talked about like, there's not a ton of evidence saying that they ever had a relationship or that they were together very much. That's because apparently only one photo of Marilyn with the Kennedy still exists. And allegedly every other photo 
and recording was confiscated after her death. She tried to cover this up. There's only one photo of either of the Kennedys with Marilyn that exists. Yeah, I was going to say um, earlier when you were talking about how like FBI is watching her, the mob's watching her, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's crazy how she can be so heavily bugged and recorded and still it's like a mystery what happened to her. Yeah, it's because they don't have these recordings, yeah. And again, a lot of this information, and again, all this is coming from this, this documentary, which is all, all recordings of these people who, uh, who allegedly worked for the mob at this time question yes hasn't it been enough time that, that they could just be like yeah this is what happened well that's that's apparently what this is really that's what the documentary is basically saying the guys are like yeah screw it we'll just tell you <laughs> and and this this documentarian was uh was sort of like poking and prodding and talking to everybody and a lot of the guys were like all right well what'd that guy say mm-hmm. like okay well yeah that was true okay yeah. but what'd he say about that like wait, well, i'm gonna say because it isn't the government like declassify stuff all the time so that people have something to chew on for a while before yeah. they do some more stupid shit. Yeah, but it's not as it's not as simple as like something's in the public domain now. There's they're they're still able to cover up a lot and redact a lot. So it's not it's not like it's all just out there in the open. Also it's like I believe you can access her FBI file. It's heavily redacted, but we know that there is an FBI file on Marilyn because of her time married to Arthur Miller when he was being investigated for communism. So it's just a matter of any recording they would have confiscated. That wouldn't have been something that would have had to be uh, released because it was just something they probably took and destroyed. It wasn't something of theirs. The, again, these recordings were, were allegedly taken by private investigators. It's uh-huh. not, maybe not necessarily um, the FBI felt like had those recordings, but they allegedly would have confiscated them and probably destroyed them. After your deep dive, just not to do any spoilers or anything. I know you're going through a whole thing. Um, does it kind of end up being one definitive answer or is it like a, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. You want me to just tell you how it ends? <laughs> no. Tell me the definitive answer. No. It's like, hey, I have my hopes up because I'm, I'm finding this interesting. Can you just like tell me whether I should still be excited or not? Or can I just, can I just space out? No. I'm not saying that. No. That's not how storytelling works. No, absolutely not. So absolutely asking not. Asking if there was a destination or if. No, that's like oh my god, that's like <laughs> that's like going it's like going and just reading the last chapter of a book. Like Do just give me a second. Just that's give me a second. Oh, that's horrible. I read like the first two chapters, then I read the last chapter, and then oh I go through god. to figure out how we got there. Oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> don't admit that. <laughs> Why? Because I'm nosy. You're nosy. <laughs> Do you go back and read the middle? Oh, thank God. Yeah, I read like the first like first chapter too. So I'm introduced to the characters fully and what the story's about. And then I go to the last chapter and I'm like, oh my God, how'd that happen? And then I go back around and read it. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's about the journey, not the destination? (laughs) I didn't think so. (laughs) Anyways. The only book I haven't done that with is Clockwork Orange because... The way it's written is so impossible to follow. I had to reread it like three times to understand fully what the story was. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so back back to Marilyn and this conspiracy theory, which is going to unfold in order. Because it's a story we're telling. Storytelling. Anyways. So back to the stuff from this documentary, this whole this whole Kennedy thing. So Jim Doyle, who's a senior FBI agent, says that the house... Uh, that he was at the house when Marilyn died 
and that there were a bunch of FBI agents there who wouldn't normally have been there and that they arrived before anyone actually even realized what was going on and that that level of attention and, and agents would have had to have been authorized by someone above Hoover, meaning it kind of had to be from the Kennedys. Um, now, in 1982, the Los Angeles District Attorney, uh, John Vandekamp, was that Vandekamp, like the, like the donuts? I gotta look into that. It was yeah, the, I was he, gonna say, where have I heard the name Vandekamp? Yeah, it's the, I think it's the, it's the crappy donuts. It's, that's donuts? Are you sure? It's like, well, it's like pastries, isn't it? Is it? This is very beside the fact. I don't know. Probably no relation. I, I suspect it's a common name. put my phone all the way over there, otherwise I could Google it. It's... It's okay. That's a mystery for another episode. No kidding. We're not talking about that. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> the, uh, in 82, they, uh, the attorney, the district attorney in LA decided to reopen the case. You know, like it's time to find out what really happened. And, uh, they determined a few months later, it was indeed still most likely a, uh, a probable suicide, which is unfortunate. Okay. I know. So obviously the they just like dug in a little too deep and then they're like, you know what? Original story is good. Yeah. So, again, what we have is, just to recap, like, her death and the conspiracy around it. Mm -hmm. She was, she fought with, she allegedly, if we're following this, she had a relationship with the Kennedys off and on. Definitely a longer one and somewhat probably meaningful one with, with Bobby Kennedy. And this could have been, when you look at uh, all her divorces, this might have been one of the longest relationships she ever had mm -hmm. with Bobby Kennedy. So, and then she was cut off by them, extremely hurt while going through everything she's, she's been going through, like mm -hmm. depression and, and, um, and taking tons of pills and, and being super manic and, and just struggling with fame and everything else, uh, having all sorts of health problems she's dealing with. Um, so, and then she's basically shut off from, from her friends, from her, her close friends mm -hmm. and, and someone who's, she might be in a relationship with. So then she ends up in a fight. Apparently Bobby Kennedy was there. Why they specifically covered up her dying first, going to the in route to the hospital and then coming back, I don't know. That's still kind of a weird mystery. Why Greenson would lie about that, why they would tell a different story, why that wouldn't be part of the official records, I don't know. But it seems like if Bobby was there and they fought and there's a record of Bobby being there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then they just want to make it as clean as humanly possible of a case. But, so what do you think actually happened? That she was dead on arrival or dying in the ambulance? I don't know why Greenson would <laughs> lie about that. But I will say, at the end of hearing about all of this, I feel like she probably had a relationship with the Kennedys. And I think, again, it was like death by a thousand cuts. She went through so much. She was very depressed. She had to deal with all the stuff of being, uh, of being famous. She struggled in a relationship. She struggled with, um, with, with having kids. Um, had a lot of physical problems mm -hmm. and and then was sort of the first victim of a doctor who was like, here's all the pills you want to deal with this. And then after a really, really hard day when she's, it just came to a, came to an end. Articulate, tragic. Um, also not the answer to my question. What was your question again? <laughs> um, do you think, which one's supposed to be the official story? That she was dead on arrival or died in the ambulance? The official story that, the LAPD has is that they found her dead at 3 a.m. and called the police at four something. And Greenson said that she was alive in the ambulance. Greenson allegedly told somebody else a couple years later that she was at, that he was in the ambulance with her and she was not dead. She was kind of comatose. And then she died on the way to the hospital. Mm -hmm. 
why he lied about that, I don't know. What do you think the official story is? I don't know. I know that there's a popular theory that her body disappeared for like six hours um, to either cover up evidence or because uh, of uh, necrophiliacs. Uh-huh. But uh, from what I understand, there's zero evidence of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Apparently, when she got to the got to the coroner's office, she was like unrecognizable. Like cause she, I, I guess, died face down allegedly. So she just looked like somebody was all like, the blood pools that makes your face bloated. Yeah, I think it was something like that. But I, I, I don't know if or why they would lie. But I would, if she was with Bobby Kennedy that night, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of this is the story in. Uh, just for the interest of it being like uh, really clean and there being no suspicion of foul play whatsoever. So I, I, I don't know why they, why they would do that or they just said that she died later on because they needed that time to, to clean the house of evidence or something like that. I mean, that could be possible. And then the story, the official story, they had to push the timeline back. And I hope it is. What do you hope it was? I hope it was like a dramatic fight between, I hope it was a really dramatic fight between them. And it was like million dollar baby style that he hit her too hard and her head hit something. You hope that? Uh, for the drama. For the drama of for it? For the drama of that. Yeah, I don't know. And then they were trying to cover that up. And it was it was literally just something that stupid. Nothing planned, nothing anything. And that's why the, the post story is so messy. Is because they had to like, they only had a couple hours to like get all their shit together before someone called it in. Well, I still think they had they had that same kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. It was just Bobby Kennedy had nothing to do with it. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe emotionally, mm-hmm. again, if any of this is true, then emotionally that definitely had an impact. And it seems like she probably accidentally took too many pills because all of her friends at this time were saying that um, that she was mixing booze and sleeping pills. Right. So it's it's it seems like she was on a road to OD mm-hmm. no matter what. And it's just this was this was one of those days where she might have just gone a little too hard after. After a tough day, I don't forgot she took them maybe or something like that. Or, mm-hmm. or she just took them. She was already out of it and then took too many or something. But I know that I don't think she killed herself. I really don't think so. And I, I remember reading uh, Marlon Brando's biography because they dated for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he said there is zero chance she killed herself. She says, I knew Marilyn. I knew everything about her. I knew everything that everybody says about her and mental state and everything. She never would have killed herself. Never. Mm-hmm. So I, I think most most people close to her said that this this couldn't have been a suicide and it was probably just an accidental overdose, which again is somewhat the story because the official story is that it was a, a probable suicide. But it seemed like it was an accidental overdose to me. Mm. Do you have the coroner report in this deal? I mean, that's what the coroner report says. It says that 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 she died of uh, specifically because she had um, so many sleeping pills in her system. That it was it was that in particular that caused her to her to die. It was the the sleeping pills, and she had a bunch of other drugs in her system too. It was all the stuff that was on her nightstand, but it was specifically apparently the sleeping pills. Um, and it seems like that might have been like a combination with like with booze or whatever. But it's just like her health was not great, and at this point, it was like it was just a buildup. Mm. Yeah, so that's the official story. And um, so she was laid to rest at Westwood uh, Village Memorial Park in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. like we were talking about in 1992. Hugh Hefner bought the crypt next to her, which is super weird. Um, in case you're wondering what happened to her estate, because she never had any kids, mm-hmm. uh, and all of she was divorced, 75% of her uh, intellectual property and estate were left to her acting coach, Lee Strasberg, and uh, the remaining 25% were given to her New York psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Marianne Chris. 
not her LA one. Even her. though she was super close with that family? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but interesting, talking about Lee Stras- uh, Strasberg, something we didn't really touch on is that um, she, after, after she bro- uh, got divorced from DiMaggio and she started having all these problems with Fox, she wanted to become a more serious actress. So she started um, taking acting classes in New York with Lee Strasberg. That's the person who sort of invented um, method acting. Ew. Yeah. So, so that's who we blame? For Jared Leto? For Jared Leto? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> basically, he's like, yeah. He's like so, a really fucked up method So it's, ba- it's like, basically the method is based off of like Stanislavski, which is a, a, a different kind of acting. It's like, a, this is a more extreme version of it called the method. Yes. And this is what Strasberg uh, sort of created and, and, and pushed. And it's all about taking your emotional trauma, bringing it to the surface, and then using it for your acting. So if you're someone who has a lot of trauma like Marilyn, or you, yeah, sure. Point to yourself, yeah. Um, if you're someone who has all of this trauma, she was pushed to see a, psych- a psychiatrist to try to unearth some of the stuff so she could use it for her acting. So at this stage in her life, when she's going through like so much other stuff, for her to now be like, let me bring up all of my trauma, that could not have helped. And again, the me- like method, that's the thing that like apparently, that, like a lot of people credit, um, credit that for like Keith Ledger's death too. He just got too into the character and ended up ODing. Um, locking himself in a hotel room for a month. And mm-hmm. it it just seems like it was probably wasn't a good move for someone with that much trauma. And apparently she did a really good job with it. And a lot of people would say they'd see her acting and they would like, she would just like turn into a different person. She was able to really do well and embody the method of acting at the actor studio in New York. But unfortunately, you know, she had a lot of trauma. And I think that, that could not have possibly helped. Mm-hmm. So that, again, we talk about death by a thousand cuts. That definitely seems like one of the cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we talked about her very short marriage to New York Yankee Joe DiMaggio, mm-hmm. and they divorced because of his insane jealousy and and abuse. However, they remained really good friends throughout their lives. And uh, apparently, for uh, two decades, uh, Joe DiMaggio had flowers delivered to her grave twice a week. Aww. Yeah, so sweet, pretty sweet. Um, last thing I want to leave with on this is the artist John Cocteau. He said about her death that uh, it should quote should serve as a terrible lesson to all those whose chief occupation consists of spying and tormenting film stars. Wait, what? John Cocteau, yes, an artist novelist, said that her death should serve as a terrible lesson to all those whose chief occupation consists of spying on and tormenting film stars. PMZ. Yeah, pretty much. Bef- Long, long before that, plenty of people were, uh, were, were doing, doing dirty goss like that. So, yeah. So that's, that's dirty the death goss of that's, is the business and business is good. Yeah. So that's, that's the life and death of Marilyn Monroe. Obviously we glossed over some of her motion picture stuff, but, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, like she had a tough childhood, um, and she had a lot of physical problems. She was, she sort of did the Michael Jackson thing where a private, a private doctor was like, here's all the pills you want. Go crazy. Mm-hmm. And she did. And so if you take out any of the conspiracy Kennedy stuff, I still think there's enough there to be like, yeah, she just did an accidental OD one day. It really comes down to that. Interesting. So when you said that your opinion changed on the whole conspiracy thing. You were just talking about the general relationship between her and the Kennedys and I, not their involvement in her death. Yeah. For me, what it convinced me of was that she had a relationship with the Kennedys. Right. I don't, 
because that, that was that's a big point of contention. And I think that's they kind of bury the lead in the documentary, but that's what you get left with. Mm-hmm. Um, they even they even talk to at the end. They have a really brief like snippet from a conversation with with Peter Lawford mm-hmm. where he's just like broken and crying, saying that he should have gone there. He should have gone over there because he tried calling and the phone was off the hook. So he kind of confirms that the phone was off the hook and said he should have just gone over there. Mm-hmm. And he, he kind of blames himself. So why do they change the story of how they found her? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. What's the significance my, of changing that? My guess is that they had to change when she was found because when they actually found her, they needed hours to clean the house of evidence mm. that, that she had to, to search it and see if there was any diaries, notes, anything that would connect her to the Kennedys. Did she leave a note? No. Apparently, as far as we know. As far as we know, she did not leave a note, which is one of the main <laughs> things of saying, oh, she wasn't a suicide. Yeah. She didn't leave a note. She didn't say anything to anybody. Um, but, but yeah, so uh, it makes the most sense for me, again, if we want to believe all the Kennedy stuff, it makes the most sense that the FBI, CIA, whatever, people with, Ken, uh, with Bobby needed to clean the house, needed enough time to make sure that Bobby was on a plane, because apparently that night... He flew by helicopter to the airport and was taken to San Francisco um, in, in the wee hours of the night at something like 1 or 2 a.m. Again, mm-hmm. this is from the documentary. So that would have given enough time for if she if she died at some point at like, I don't know, 9 or 10 and was found dead there, uh, then it would have given time for uh, for Bobby to leave law, uh, law enforcement, whether it's FBI, CAA, whatever, to clean the house, make sure there was no trace of him being there, give enough enough time for him to have a solid alibi of he was on a plane and then they find her body and the door was locked. The phone was off the hook. It made a lot of sense for like, that's how you would cover it up. I think for me, that's the only reason to cover up the time frame like that. Gotcha. And so it, and also it keeps the, everything clear of like, she wasn't alive. She was just, they found her dead. She wasn't alive. She wasn't comatose. They didn't take her to a hospital. It's like, she just found her dead and she was dead. That's it. Mm-hmm. We don't know when she died. It was just at some point in the wee hours. And they found her around three. That's it. So it was just, I think, a matter of keeping the story clean. Gotcha. And that's Marilyn Monroe. That's her life and death. This was kind of a bear. Usually we're, for the biography ones like this, um, they'll be longer. But I think most of the episodes will probably be a little bit shorter. Did you end up cutting this down? Because last night you said it was going to be like a two-parter. That seems like a one-parter. Um, yeah, we, we blew through it pretty fast, which is good. So I think we can Even just do this as a one-parter. Even of stupid comments and questions. Yeah, exactly. It was perfect, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this this episode's going to go up uh, ASAP. I think we'll, we'll keep it as a one part. I'm going to do a bunch of cut downs on YouTube. And um, and then, yeah, I think we'll just do a bunch on TikTok and stuff to try to keep this like a multi-part series. Um, if anybody has uh, any any questions or want to have any comments read on the air for next time, you can uh, subscribe to the Patreon. Again, it's it can be for as little as $5. There's, there's higher tiers for early access um, and ad-free. Right now, there's no ads on this because, you know, we just started. But eventually, you will get ad free, and uh, and there's gonna be bonus content. So I'm not gonna lie, you made it seem like there was like a million conspiracies around it. Well, I mean, they're all variations of that. Like uh. she was killed by the Kennedys. She was killed by uh, the mob. She was killed by. Uh, but again, even the mob one is like you know technically was... when you think about it, it's a little bit of everything. Well, that's but my they thing. They were they were all. There, there was a lot of contributing factors. And uh-huh. again, it's like a lot of people were like, the Kennedys killed her or had her assassinated. But then the, the one about the mob is more like, well, okay, they used the mob to kill her. 
again for for uh for government reasons mm -hmm. there wouldn't have been any real reason for her to be killed it wasn't like she was dating uh mobsters or anything that would have been an obvious one but instead it's it's just you know people think she was murdered by the kennedys by by the mob by the cia because of communist reasons mm -hmm. but it all kind of plays into the same the same conspiracy and then of course there's the one where it's like her body disappeared because of necrophiliacs when to do something with her body which by the way i'm sh that, that must happen that must happen I, ca I can't say it happened with her but i would not be surprised we know that stuff like that goes on so to think that that wouldn't go on with celebrities no, in la of, there's actually a lot <clears throat> of cultures um that like when a woman dies then the other women in the family have to stand guard by the body at all times until they are buried that's good for that exact reason yeah that's good it's also horrible yeah i mean it is <laughs> it's like many things in life it sucks that we have to do that because of because of men being horrible um but yeah but uh, I, i'm, moral I'm of the story is um don't fuck men um they'll just ruin your life I mean, I wouldn't say men ruined her life, I. But she was definitely a victim of fame. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it like fame ruined her. Like her career uh, sort of ended her first marriage, although that was of her, of her own volition, of her own choice. Mm -hmm. Her marriage to Joe DiMaggio was ruined by her fame, and then uh, her marriage to Arthur Miller. It's apparently she had found notes written by him, which is the equivalent of finding an email to somebody today. Um, talking about how he basically like made a mistake and thought there was more to her, but instead she's just some dumb whore, and that just crushed her. Mm -hmm. So she had she had some really bad luck, but I, th I so much of this I think came from came from her career and from from the fame and from being a sex symbol, and she had to deal with so much negative stuff like people prying into her 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 childhood and everything with her everything with her mother and her, her mother didn't agree with her career and and had big problems with it and that's basically the only time she would like interject in her life was to say that um uh her 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 nude photos being leaked there was just so much stuff that she had to go through and also there's so many interviews with her where she is just not treated with a lot of respect because again it's the 50s and <laughs> she's of men yeah because of men it's men in the 50s specifically also which is even worse because there's well i mean it's just so, it was so, you're so brazen, you know? Mm -hmm. You could be on an, in an interview in TV and people sitting there smoking and talking about, talking about like, oh, here you're, you're becoming quite a cook now, a little missy and shit like that. It's, 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 it's really gross and she's treated like a piece of meat in a way that is much more on the surface than it is today, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, in, in more official still, ways. Present. Oh, we haven't we have made no progress to be to be clear. We've made zero progress on that front. It's just a matter of like I'm gonna start I'm gonna, I'm gonna interview like you yeah. you are, <laughs> like you are a female star. Oh yeah, um, that'll be fun. So Morgan. Woman's name. That works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I'm Morgan, Morgan Fairchild, yeah. <laughs> so Morgan. Um what's it like trying to have it all? Trying to have it all? You yes. mean like trying to have a career and a baby and a husband and all that? Yes. Well, you know, it's uh, it's the same as like it would be for anybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody kind of wants it. You want to have it all. It's, I'm trying. Are you Are you worried that um, all the stress from your rising stardom has made you infertile? Is that a thing? <laughs> Can stress cause you to be infertile? Oh my god, so many things. Human body's so delicate. Yeah, she had to deal with so much stuff. Like I didn't know what endometriosis was. Endometriosis was. Yeah. 
Huh? You didn't? No, I didn't know. It. I didn't know specifically. I knew. I knew generally what it affected. But yeah, she's. It sucked. She really wanted kids, apparently. And, yeah, and, and she just like said, had so many like, issues that she had to deal with like a lot of sick days, but like suddenly was okay enough to do the Mr. President thing. Um, it's like she had endometriosis. It's a very painful thing to deal with, and it can affect you anytime. Yeah, exactly. It's it wasn't like a. It wasn't as much of a chronic thing where it's like, or, or she would just all of a sudden got the flu or something. It was, it was, yeah, she just had a lot of, a lot of general health issues and, and, you know, when, when you're in pain, you, you, you got to deal with it. But yeah. she, she was really excited about doing the whole uh, Kennedy birthday thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, it, uh, the, um, you know, when Kim wore that dress, the, the dress from the Mr. President yeah. birthday yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, was it that dress? It's that dress. It was that dress. It, yeah. It, yeah. By the way, if you're hearing meowing, it's our cat. Just be cool. You want to just let her in? Yeah. She'll be okay. All right, for audio listeners, you're missing some cat time right now. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, when she wore that dress, my favorite meme to come out of that was someone was like, I don't understand. Is she fucking Joe Biden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that was the message she was trying to send with that dress. Yeah. That was my favorite little thing. I don't Look know. I just wanted to bring up that little ditty. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's sort of a wrap on this. Um, if you uh, if you want to vote on uh, next topics, you can do so in the Patreon by becoming a patron, and um, you'll have some uh, special Discord privileges on my Discord. And uh, and yeah, there's also eventually will be monetized on YouTube. But for now, it's just um, the Patreon is the best way to support the show and get extras. And um, and yeah. And I'll be here. And uh, Sabrina will be here. I'll o- be here. Occasionally, we'll do some interviews, or we'll have uh, we'll have guests on. Um, but for now, well, it's just going to be a couple. <gasps> no, not best people. No, huh? not, but not better people. We'll have the, we'll have them here on the screen. I mean, us. we're okay. Well, we'll have we'll have people that we can we can talk about specifically of like what they're like. I want to bring on some people and talk about like because again, it's called Fame Kills. It's like all the negative sides of the of the bring entertainment in industry. Some, some experts. Bring in some, we'll bring in some experts, some journalists maybe, and bring in also like, like for specific topics, but like I have a friend who's like, his claim to fame is being a reporter about the royal family. Like when we, when we get into the Princess Diana stuff, like that'll be a really big episode when we do Diana. Um, I think it would be, it'd be good to have him in there. remain clueless. Yeah, remain and clueless about that. Don't look, don't look at anything, don't read anything, just keep watching Chuck. It'll be good to go. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye everybody. <laughs>